Once upon a time. That's great, isn't it? Upon a time. And they don't even tell you what time that is yet. It's like, you have to find that out. You're not supposed to read it, Despero. You're supposed to eat it. Good. I'll come back in an hour. And no reading. It's a rule. Once upon a time, there lived a fair princess, fairer than any in any other land. Hmm, fair. And, as this story goes, she was locked up in a faraway castle where she could see the world, but could never touch it. She longed for a prince, a brave knight who would deliver her from all of this, someone with courage, and honor and decency. But in a cruel and frightened world, men like this were scarce indeed. special world built on courage and chivalry and honor. They pledged their lives to each other to fight for truth, to defend the weak, to seek justice, and to always... How was the library? Fine. Spoil your appetite? No. Helped it, actually. Made me hungrier. <laughs> Good lad. <clears throat> Did you see they're putting up a, a new front on the crumb shop? Oh, quite modern. But I yes. love the old front. Did a book ever speak to you? Almost like it was written for you. Despero loved it all, every bit of it. The truth, the justice, the bravery, the sword fighting. <laughs> he even loved things you wouldn't suspect. The story said she was a prisoner, but that wasn't totally true, because she had hope. And whenever you have hope, you're never really anybody's prisoner. Well, good morning. I know you want to keep listening and keep watching, don't you? I got a sermon to preach, man. We can't keep watching these movies, you know? But i tell you what, you know what grabs us? is the story of bravery and courage, heroes, you know? We love stories like that. At least, I love stories like that. 
And it's because it inspires us, you know, like, oh, there's this great thing that they got to do or this great adventure that they're on. And, and just it's, it's just so fun to watch and makes me go, yeah, I can do that too. But, you know, for most of us, we're not called to great tasks and great adventures. We just kind of live our everyday lives. And, you know, we survive in many ways and, and just kind of go through the routines in other ways. But then life does seem to bombard us. Um, you know, we have our own little world to deal with. Um, maybe we heard news from the doctor of some health concerns. Or maybe there's a, a stress that happened at work that you're trying to work through. Maybe there's uh, relational insecurities. I mean, challenges of all sorts seem to hit us. Life calls us to be courageous. Yet sincerely, I don't know if you're like me, but I don't always want to be courageous. I don't always want to, you know, face those dragons. I, I tend to want to escape. I don't want to deal with it. Or it can seem a bit exhausting to have to head into life with a lot of courage. But then there's that little spark inside of me. And I'll bet it's inside of you too. That little spark that says, yeah, I do. I do want to have courage. I do want to have victories in my life. I, I do want to face those dragons and like that guy with the, the shield and the fire, like I'm just going to head straight into it and I'm going to show those dragons who's boss here. Well, over the next several weeks, we're going to meet a real-life hero. We're going to meet a real-life guy. Uh, his name is Joshua. And we're going to hear all about his true story. And we're going to learn from him and through his experiences how to be men and women of great courage. To understand the story of Joshua, we've got to go back. We've got to go way back. We've got to go back to 1406 B.C. That's like over 1,400 years before Jesus was even born. In 1406, um, the nation of Israel was wandering in the wilderness for about 40 years. They had come to this mountain. It was Mount Nebo. Mount Nebo was um, east of the Jordan River and on the really northeast corner of the Dead Sea. And uh, the nation of Israel had gathered around that area and were encamped there. Now, just to give you an idea of where this is, I have a map. Now, you may not be able to see Mount Nebo there, but you see the, the uh, let's see, the, uh, the Dead Sea here, and the Sea of Galilee up here, the Jordan River. But if we zoom in, you'll see Mount Nebo here. Maybe one more zoom in. And just picture that the Israelite were camped out all around this area here. Now, to give you an idea of when I say the Israelites camped out, um, just to give you an idea of how many of them were there, uh, the book of Numbers in the Old Testament is just that. It's a book of numbers. Uh, it was really a way of numbering the Israelites as they prepared to go into the promised land that God had promised them. And so in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 1 and verse 46, it tells us a number of all of the men who were 20 years old and older who were eligible to be a part of the army as they were going to enter the promised land. And that number 
is 603,550. Just of the men 20 years old and older who could actually go in and fight. So if you just take that number and you add the older people and the younger people and the women and children and all of that, you're looking at well over a million Israelites waiting to enter into the promised land. Moses, their courageous leader, um, had passed away. And his God-appointed successor was being summoned to lead these people into the land that God had promised them. And that man that was to have this calling on his life was Joshua. So let's listen to God's call on Joshua's life as we go to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. I'll have the Scriptures up here on the screen for us. But it says this in Joshua chapter 1 and verse 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross the Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. This whole concept of land given to God's people, the Israelites, is a central theme throughout the entire Bible. And it is the central theme of the book of Joshua. The 11 chapters of the book of Joshua that we are going to cover over the next several weeks uh, specifically talk about how they cross over the Jordan River and how they can't conquer this land that God had promised them, even as far back as Abraham, which is like a thousand years earlier than this time here. So let me show you the land that the Lord promised to the nation of Israel. I have another map for you. You know me. I love my maps. And if you notice, in, here's a reference for you if you're wondering, Genesis 15. Uh, all the way to the west, the Nile River, all the way up to the north, the Euphrates River. And uh, this straight line here is uh, debatable. It looks a little too straight for me. But basically, this is the area up in this area here that was promised to the Israelites. And Joshua was called by God to enter this land and begin to conquer it for God's people. He was called to be courageous. But to go into that land, there was a lot of danger ahead. There was peril, pestilence. The people of the land wouldn't just say, oh, you guys want to come in and hey, take over where we've been living for generations? Sure, come on in, take it over. No, no, no. There would be battles ahead that we're going to read about. There's going to be fighting, and in battles, that means people are going to die so how would Joshua gain courage to lead these people into that land? How do we gain courage? Well, as we unpack Joshua chapter 1, we are going to see the ingredients that Joshua needed to grow in having courage to be this leader that God has called him to be. And I'm certain that it will help us gain courage as well. The ingredients involved, I think, are three different cups, in a sense, to help us understand how God will help him have courage and how they will have courage to enter the land. Cup number one 
is that God fills us. God is the one who fills us with courage. If we need courage in our life, how often do we, do we rely on God to fill us with that courage? Notice as we continue on in Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. God is speaking to Joshua, and he says this, No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Now, for most of us in here, when we read those words, God is with us and he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us, he's always with us, those are things that we could say intellectually, yeah, I believe those things. Those things are true. But in order to move from our head down to our hearts, the way that this movement happens is through trials. The way that this movement of understanding that God's with me, that he's not going to forsake me, happens through hardships, through deeply stressful situations in our lives. It's through difficulties and the testing of our faith that God wants to fill us up. I have here a, a couple of containers, and um, if, if this container represents us, each and every one of us individually, then this water here, this blue water, um, represents the courage that God wants to fill us up with. And so, as uh, we think about, um, I'll put that one there for now, as we think about God filling us up, it's like he wants to fill us with his courage. So, I just illustrate it by taking a little bit of that courage that he wants for us and begin to fill us with his courage. I think he does it really in three ways. Here's how God fills us. First of all, we must trust God's promises. To fill us with his courage, we must remember what he promises us and allow that to fill us up. That's what he was doing with Joshua in verse 6. Look at verse 6. He says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall... Give this people possession of the land, which I swore to their fathers to give to them. I made a promise to them, and I fulfill my promises. God keeps his promises. Keeps his promises with the Israelites, and he keeps his promises with you and with me. So what are some of those promises that we can cling to? Well, let me just give you a few examples that there's many in the Bible, but one of the things is God does promise you and I that he'll never leave us nor forsake us, even when we're going through hardships. That's Hebrews 13 in verse 5. God says that he will produce in you and me uh, the fruit of the Spirit as we allow him to lead our lives. That's out of Galatians 5 in verses 18 through 22. Things like he'll grow in us how to love better and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and, and goodness, and, and gentleness, and faithfulness, and self-control, that he'll grow those things in us. He promises he will by his Spirit. God promises that no one can snatch us out of his hand. That when we put our faith in Jesus, that he died for our sins and that he rose to give us the gift of eternal life, we trust him for that eternal life. That, that, that nobody, nothing can snatch us out of his hands. When we are in God's family, we can't become out of his family. That we are eternally secure. That we're sealed by his Holy Spirit. I mean, the list can go on and on, but God is good, bottom line. God is a promise-keeping God. 
And when we need courage, we need to trust His promises. Well, to experience the Lord's filling us with His courage, the second way in which He fills our cup is that we need to seek His leadership. That when we seek God's leadership, He'll fill us with the courage that we need. That's what God was admonishing Joshua in the next couple of verses. Look at what it says in verse 7. He says to Joshua, Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. And then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. You see that in both of those verses, verses 7 and 8? He says that you will have success. You let me lead your life, and you will have success. Now, this success here isn't like um, everything is going to go great in your life, or nothing is going to go badly in your life. It doesn't mean financial success or financial stability of some sort. This success means having wisdom, having comprehension and insights. It's being skilled with good reason, the use of reason, good judgment, godly discernment. This is the success that God wants to instill in our lives so that we can face life with courage. Our strength to face whatever comes our way is found when we have God-given wisdom and God-given peace. The only way to gain wisdom and peace from God, the only way to follow His leadership is when we allow ourselves to be influenced by this book. He told Joshua, meditate on it day and night. Don't let it uh, stop coming out of your mouth. That, that this is what we need. We need to be students of the Word. You know, um, uh, this past couple of weeks, uh, I went on vacation with my family. Wonderful vacation. One of those vacations where um, you kind of don't want to come back to reality. You ever have those vacations? I mean, I love being here, and I love the calling that God has on my life, but man, that vacation was so fun, so nice, and, uh, and it was one of the things that we did on our vacation is we had a lot of road time. We were on the road for hours and hours, driving south where it's warmer, and um, as we drove, uh, we had games that we were playing in, in the van, and, uh, and uh, one of the things we did is we listened to podcasts. Um, uh, that was kind of cool. I, I had not really listened to a lot of podcasts along the way, but we were listening to podcasts. And I'll tell you what, s some of those podcasts, great stuff about history, and there are other podcasts that just had some really wonderful insights about how to interact with one another and, and just got our people in our van. We just got us talking. It was really fun. One of the interesting things about the podcast, most of them were secular. It wasn't like we were listening to biblical podcasts, which are also very good. But these were, a lot of them were secular, and yet they were, they had wisdom, they had insight, they were engaging. And yet, things like podcasts like that, or um, whatever we would get to sort of nurture us, whether if it's self-help books, or if it's uh, something that's in our field that, you know, we love to learn about, like, like whatever we're doing, uh, we read books on this or on that. Um, no matter what we're doing, 
those all have to have, have a place in our life where they are a distant second. That we have got to be, first and foremost, students of God's Word. That's why when you drive into church here, uh, you'll see the sign that says Faith Church, and right below it we have that little catchphrase, God's Word Transforming Lives. That's why we have, you'll see in your bulletin, there is an opportunity for men's Bible studies. And there's women's Bible studies. And we have our home discipleship groups, our HDGs we call them, and they are all encouraged to open up the Word of God when you get together and look at it and study it and grow in it. That's why with our journey groups and our CD, our character development stuff, and our counseling, it's biblically based. All of this is what's central to what we're all about. Why? Because we ought to, every one of us, be seeking God's leadership in our lives. And that's the only way to do it. Well, the third way that we experience God's filling us with His wisdom is when we lean on God's presence. We lean on His presence in our lives. Notice God's admonition to Joshua in verse 9. Again, he asks this question, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? By the way, that's the third time in these few short verses that he's telling Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Reminds us that just to say it once might not be enough. We've got to be reminded to be strong and to be courageous. And then he goes on in verse 9, Do not tremble or be dismayed. By the way, that word dismayed means shattered or broken down. Um, It means uh, discouraged or destroyed even. Don't tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God is, in the present tense, with you and with me wherever we go. We can rely on His presence now. So what do we need? We need grace just now? Sense of His unconditional love for us? Yeah, He's the fountain of grace. Do we need strength to face the fierce hardships of life? The Lord wants to be our strength, to give us His strength. Do we need love for someone who hasn't been giving us much love lately. The Bible says God is love, and He's near to us when our hearts are broken. Do we need purity in the midst of an unclean world? God is holy, and He's here right now with us. Do we lean on Him? Do we lean into Him? Do we need Him? We're just to draw near to Him. We're to Ask Him. Make our requests made known to Him. Because He wants to fill us up. He wants our lives to be filled with the courage that He gives to us. As God fills our cup, then we move to the second cup. And the second cup is this, that we then overflow on others. He wants to take our courage that He has filled us with and overflow that to other people. Two ways in which this happens. First of all, 
When God is filling us up, we've got to step forward in faith. When he gives us a calling, we step forward in faith. Look how Joshua stepped up and stepped out in faith. Verse 10. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare, uh, prepare provisions for yourselves. For within three days you are to cross this Jordan, to go to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you, to possess it. I'm being inspired. Now I want to inspire you. That's what Joshua's doing. Let's go. Let's move forward in faith. This is such a critical step. We need the courage of one another. We need to influence each other with courage. I have here this uh, second container. This, is, this would illustrate um, the commanders around Joshua. So here Joshua is being filled up with faith, and the commanders are all around him, and he is called to overflow that courage onto them, to inspire them, to help them to have courage as well. This overflowing of this courage. Some of us here uh, are feeling pretty solid, pretty courageous. And there's others here that are feeling a bit anxious, a bit bit weak, uh, a bit even dismayed. And so we're called to encourage each other. What's the root word of encourage? Courage. Encourage. Infuse others with courage. That's what we're supposed to be about. That's what the body of believers is all about. That's why we we need to connect with each other. We need to serve one another. We need to help one another to, to, um, to grow in this courage. And then as we grow, then we go out and find others who need their cups filled as well. We inspire the few to then inspire. Easy. Wait for it. Inspire the many. We inspire the few. And then as he calls his commanders, go out. And tell everybody, we're going in. We are going in to fill and take possession of the promised land. Look at verse 12. To the Reubenites and to the Gadites and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word which Moses said to his servant, the, uh, Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. By the way, there's 12 tribes in Israel. Notice he just goes to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. In other words, he's only going to two and a half of the 12 tribes. Why? Because he's saying, if I can influence the few, then they will inspire the rest. They will then go out and inspire the other, what is it, nine and a half tribes to enter the promised land. Look at verse 14. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But you shall cross before your brothers and in battle array, and your valiant warriors, and shall help them. In other words, you guys are going to just be the valiant warriors, and you're going to inspire others to follow after you, and we're going to take this land that God has promised to us. Verse 15, until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you. And they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. 
Then you shall return to your own land and possess that which Moses, your servant, the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan toward the sunrise. Let me just explain this a little bit. This is almost verbatim out of Numbers chapter 32. In Numbers chapter 32, the Gadites, the Reubenites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh wanted to settle on the east side of the Jordan River where the Mount Nebo was. This is the land that they wanted. They didn't want to cross over the Jordan River and take the other land. Well, what happened in Numbers chapter 32 is that they made a deal with Moses because Moses said, if you guys just camp out here, nobody's going to want to go and fight for the land because you're just going to be hanging out here and they're going to want to hang out with you. So this is, what he, this is the deal he made with them. If you guys lead the charge to conquer the promised land, then once we conquer it and the rest of the tribes can settle over here, then you can go back east and you can settle in that land that you want to settle in. And they agreed to it. So this is what Joshua was doing it. You made an agreement. Now you get to step up and follow the agreement that you made. This idea of inspiring the few. We inspire the few who in turn overflow and inspire the many. You know, Jesus did this, by the way. I don't know if you realize this, but Jesus did this. It wasn't like he was constantly out there trying to speak to the masses. He had his few. He had his 12. And through the 12, he would inspire others. He said, go. Go into all the nations. And look at what has happened since he inspired his few, his 12 disciples. The Apostle Paul supports this. If you go over to uh, 2 Timothy, just go with me quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, he's speaking to Timothy the pastor, and he says this, The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men. These things that I teach you, just take the few and inspire them with what I've taught you. And then it says at the end, who will be able to teach others, who will be able to go out into the masses and have more influence out there. Inspire those closest to us. Encourage them. Strengthen them so that they would then go out and encourage them to inspire others. This is God's way, by the way. This is God's way. So let me ask, who are you inspiring? Who are you and I influencing? Who are the few that we're making an impact on so that then they would inspire others around them? Well, let me give us our final cup, cup number three. Cup number three is others splash us back. <laughs> others splash It's like, okay, we've got, we're filled with, with courage from the Lord. We're influencing those around us to be encouraged by the Lord. We're influencing the many. And then if I just got in there and splashed all this blue water all over the place, it's like now we're just splashing each other with this courage so that we can be even stronger in the Lord. Go back to Joshua chapter 1 again in verse 16. They answered Joshua. They now, I think, brings us back to verse 10, where he's talking to all the commanders to influence all the people. They answered Joshua, saying, All that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Imagine the encouragement that that was to Joshua. Here he's stepping up, he's stepping forward, and they're saying, We're behind you. We're behind you. Verse 17. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Where have we heard that? God had been saying it to Moses, or I'm sorry, to Joshua over and over again. And now the people are saying the exact same words. 
They're saying, listen, we'll follow you. Only keep being filled with the Lord. Keep pursuing the Lord's leadership in your life. We're going to follow you. We're with you. We're not against you. Joshua needed that. Joshua needed them. Contrary to many heroes that have that Superman or Wonder Woman type personality, you know, that they can do this, they don't need anybody else's help, they're so independent, real people need the help of others. Real heroes need it. God made you and me to need others. His Spirit works through one another. We are to encourage each other, strengthen and spur each other on. We're called to comfort one another and to bear one another's burdens. We're called to sharpen each other and to help each other to live in the truth. And this is to be done in an environment of love and grace and mercy. It's God's way for His church. That's why we have home discipleship groups. (laughs) That we would know each other. That we would meet with one another on a regular basis because we need each other. We need to know each other in deep and meaningful ways and to help each other through whatever life throws at us. You know, God knows each and every one of our stories. He knows the burdens that we bear. He knows our going in and our going out. In other words, He knows the path that we're walking. And He wants to give us courage. He wants to fill us up so that we can slay those dragons as they come at us, you know? So we can stand up with and not be governed by fear, but be governed by courage and step into that flame. God's strength. And He wants us to fill up and spill over on one another. To influence one another to walk in His ways with courage. And then that spilling over is to spill over all the more. So let me ask you, how full is your cup this morning? How full is mine? How much do we have that sense that we really do need the Lord to fill us? courage. And who are you spilling over onto? Who's the sphere of influence that you're bringing that courage that the Lord has given to you and influencing others? How well are we doing at going out and finding all the more who need the courage that only the Lord can give? Courage is something that We're not born with. It's something we gain. And we gain it together as we seek to follow after the Lord in full devotion to Him and in full devotion to each other. So where are you at? Where am I at? Are we at a place right now where we can step up and step out in faith? pray. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us and we can lean on your presence. 
Thank you for the reminder of the songs that led into this even. We can overcome with you. Thank you, Lord, that that you don't just leave us out here figuring it out on our own, but you lead us. You give us your word. Lord, fill us by your Spirit's power in our lives to be women and men of great courage. Lord, I pray that we'll influence each other, that we'll love you and love one another and go into our world and love them with the love that you give to us. Yes, God, give us courage this day. We pray this in your precious name. Amen.